When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Wrap-Up, where Raptors basketball is back, and we're all very excited about it. Um, I'm Oren. I'm here with Zarar, the first wrap-up of the season. We're very excited to bring this show to you guys all season. Um, But yeah, Zarar, how's it going, man? All right, man. I'm just uh, posting this thing on Twitter. I think it'll work. But yeah, just preseason, man. It's, uh, you know, working stuff out for the site. Uh, just like the Raptors at preseason, so do we here. So just cleaning up some loose ends. How old were you when you stopped taking stuff away from preseason games? Oh, man. I remember like going into preseason being super excited because it was the first basketball you saw after like a few months. And yeah. so you were like pumped just to see Raptors basketball. I think that was the same in, in this game. Like for the first five minutes, I was yeah. like, oh, wow, like, you know, we're back. Like, you now you see Precious, you know, like laying the ball in in the fast break. You see Siakam like throwing one down, Scotty trying post up books. So I was like, there's a feeling of like, yes, we're back. But then, you know, especially with today's opponent with the Jazz and their like eight first round picks, it's like, man, we really can't read too much into this. But I, but I think, I guess what you, what you, sort of can comment on is like the confirmation of this idea that Fred really is off the ball and the majority of the ball handling will be done by uh, some of these, uh, you know, six, nine flankers. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's, I wanted to start with like general takeaways before we start talking about individual players, but I was only last year years old when I learned not to take stuff away from preseason. <laughs> I remember Svi was lighting it up. I remember OG was shooting like off the dribble threes, like easy, everything's going down. Um, those are a couple of the takeaways I remember. And then those things just not happening in the season. So yeah, definitely skeptical about some of the stuff we thought also, like you said about the Jazz, you know, their starting lineup is legit. Like they got Conley, they got some pros, but as it diluted into the bench and especially the back of the bench, it gets really dark on the Jazz. And it's no wonder the Raptors like killed them in the second half. Having a bench of guys who have kind of been playing together now for at least a year together, second year guys in the NBA compared to a hodgepodge of like second round picks and undrafted guys from the Jazz. Um it, especially the second half, really hard to take much away. Yeah, I mean, what do you look when you look at the Jazz? You just like you look at who like who their best players on the court were. Like Markkanen had a pretty good first half. Uh, you know, like the only the only takeaway from the Jazz perspective was like, man, it'd be nice to have Markkanen on the team. Like that was my prevailing thought in the first half. Was like, it'd just be nice to have a guy like that on the Raptors who can shoot, move well, kind of versatile. Uh, smart where he can like find the seams or, or, or you know just do do the right right uh movement on the court at the right time so that was that was it for the jazz but it's more about the Raptors man you know like yeah. you know Freddie like Ding up uh you know in, in the first half like getting in somebody's face that was nice to watch so he's ready for basketball 
Um, you know, those are the moments that kind of stuck out. But by by and large, for me, the the the, the main takeaway was just how sort of um, it's hard to say committed in the preseason game, but how dedicated the Raptors were to really playing Fred off the ball and trying Scotty, uh, Pascal, OG, uh, trying to run run the play. And then we saw Flynn a little bit later, and you immediately saw the offense kind of dry up with him on the court. Not to you know, not to, not to rip on Flynn too much, but you know the people he's playing with are not exactly conducive to you know they're not great three point shooters, they're not great floor spacers. So he's sort of left to create with like Banton and and Kem on the on the court, which is not fair to him. But that's the cards he's dealt with right now. He's got to find his way, despite the players that he's he's matched up with. You're not you're not always going to have the best players on the court with you. So Flynn has to find his living while playing with guys who aren't that great, and that's just the life of a backup. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into individual guys, like I think that's an interesting point you bring up about Fred staying off ball, and it was also in the lineups they played, right? Like they had instead of bringing one of Banton or Flynn off the bench first, they had like Thad, Achua, and Boucher come off the bench, and like Boucher and Siakam. Sorry, I mean uh, OG and Siakam and Barnes were essentially the point guards at that point. And you didn't see uh, Malachi until like a little bit into the second quarter. And he really didn't play much in in the whole half. So to your point, even in the lineups they played, like there was no room for, you know, a a real point guard. Um, And and that's just kind of, I guess, how they want to run their offense this year is just with a bunch of guys who are big, who can handle it a little bit and not a whole lot of pick and roll. And yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if I have much else to say about No, I was going to say, like, it felt to me like everyone was really passive in the sense of, like, everyone wanted to share the wealth. No one was really trying to get their own, especially in the starting lineup. And so that's why I'm skeptical about what you're saying. Like, maybe Fred was just happy to kind of sit back today. But maybe when the game gets tough and they really need something, he's going to still be like, ah, screw it. Give me the ball. Let me let me get mine. I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to map what's being said in training camp to what I see on the court. So when Nick Nurse makes a comment like, "Yeah, Fred's yeah. Off the ball, obviously you're going to pay attention to when Fred's off the ball," and I think every Raptor fan that I have talked to, or even the people who you know, you know, comment here and there, they all seem to be a pretty big proponent of having and utilizing Fred's great three-point shooting before yeah. they utilize his playmaking. Forget about off the ball, just order of preference of Fred's skills seem to be spot up shooting before playmaking. Of course, but the rebuttal to that would be that the Raptors had nine turnovers in the first quarter without Fred handling the ball. Like they were just throwing it away at will. And and I think like I trust Scotty and Pascal to make better decisions than they did. It's a preseason game, but um, that is a thing about having a traditional point guard hold the ball is you take care of it, especially Fred. He takes care of it better than most guys in the league. Um, so I, I actually think that's an interesting thing to watch out for. The more he's off ball, the more turnovers this team probably throw. And they won a lot last year by being the team that had the more possessions, right? They won that battle every night. But if you all of a sudden throw as many turnovers as you collect on the defensive end, you're no longer winning that, that battle as much. So I guess that's something to watch out for. But that's the price um, you pay. That, that, that's yeah. the price you have to pay for trying to change the way 
uh, the, the game is played compared to how, how it's traditionally played. Traditionally, you have a point guard, low center of gravity, good ball handling skills, and there's a lot, a lot of advantages to that. If you go this way, you should expect the turnovers to go up. Uh, I think that's that's a really yeah. good point. It, it'd be interesting to see how the Raptors' turnovers. Um, I don't know what what that trend looks like this year. I think you're right; they will go up, but I think that's part of the growing pains of of going this route. Fair, yeah. Phoenix, welcome back to the show. One of our most loyal listeners, Phoenix Playzy. Uh, to this point about the second unit's offense not looking great. You know, I thought I think going back to camp too, and and we saw this in the first quarter. My general takeaway from this game was going to be that, like, the starting five, those guys offensively are just humming already. Like, they threw too many turnovers and they missed a lot of threes. So if we're just going by results, not great. But if you look at the process for a team at this, you know, at this stage of the season, it usually looks really ugly. And I thought that those five were really moving the ball well. Same with the open practice in Victoria yesterday. They're really moving the ball well. They're unselfish. They're making the extra pass. They're just creating really good looks for themselves, you know, despite not having that, like, elite shot creator. Um, and I do think that's an advantage of, like, playing together all summer. And I and I asked, like, Gary Trent about this. And it's it's hard to be like Rico Hines runs. They're going to pay off. Raptors are going to bunch of, win a bunch of games early in the season. Like, I don't believe that. But I do believe, like, okay, they had a full year last year to play together and a summer on top of that. And now you go into a season. That actually is a bit of an advantage. And I thought it looked like it with the starting five. What did you think of that group? Uh, I think the starting five, I what I noticed was how the defensive havoc they they created against the Jazz. In fact, not okay. just the starting five. I think even when Delano came into the game, uh, the, he got a couple of deflections, a few steals, I think, just by like putting his hands up at the right time and going into the passing lanes. So I, I thought they were defensively very in tune with each other than you would yeah. expect this early in pre or in the first game of preseason. But I think that you're right. I think that is a factor of, of, of playing together all of last year and sort of Nick Nurse being a kind of defense first coach. He probably has focused on that and more. Like, he's all about defense, so I, I would expect the Raptors to improve their defense. I, I mean, l- let me pull on that that, that defensive uh, thread a little bit. I, I mm-hmm. What did you think of the aggressiveness in the closeouts, the good old closeout aggressiveness? You know, all last year we talked about how aggressively the Raptors close out and how it leaves them sort of vulnerable. Um, I thought our closeouts were much more contained. Uh, I don't know if that's part of the part of the, you know, Nobody can see that box score, Kian. I don't know what that is. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. okay. He figured it out. He's gonna. Well, he's gonna. We got a new producer, Kian Haddad, joins us. Uh, yeah, well, everyone, welcome our new producer, Kian. Yeah. He's gonna be helping us out all season. Yeah, happy to have him. So, so yeah, I, I thought the Raptors' defensive closeouts were pretty good. Uh, the offense, you know, as you said, nine turnovers. I, I didn't think the offense was really humming. I thought the opponent was quite suspect so i didn't really read too much into the offense well the first half was a real opponent a real nba team the jazz right now sure sure but i'm just saying that's not what i paid attention to i I paid attention to defensively and i and i thought they they did quite well there and i like how we sort of seem to have improved in our dribble penetration like i think we're containing the ball a little bit better we're sticking with the man a lot more i think we're trying to Kind of, there was at least a couple of plays where we tried to rip the ball out of the would-be driver's hands, and the help really collapsed and tried to get the ball, tried to steal the ball right away. So I thought we were better at anticipating the drive than we were 
uh, last season. Again, sample size of one preseason game. Yeah, I mean, I thought the rotations looked pretty crisp. I thought the defensive rebounding was a problem, though, just like it always has been for this starting group. As soon as Boucher and, and Achua enter the game, it was a new look. And let's talk about uh, about the bench. Like, I, I thought when Thad, they, they put all three of them on at the same time, Thad, Boucher, and Achua, and it was just like, I guess you forget uh, over the course of a summer, but man, that bench is long. They are athletic. They change the speed of the game in a lot of ways, um, especially when Achua is taking the ball coast to coast like he kind of did in this game. I guess like, yeah, who among, I, I think we talked about the starting five, but who among the bench or the camp battle guys, like who stood out to you? Uh, I don't know about camp battle. I was, I mean, I thought um, Josh Jackson came off the bench and had a had a good account of himself. Uh, yeah. So that that was positive to see. I, I'm gonna go. I don't care about the bench battle guys, really, too, honestly, too much. But what I did like about was Scotty Barnes. Like, can we talk about Scotty Barnes a little bit? Uh, yeah. Offensive rebounding positioning. Yeah. Okay. Excellent anticipation of the ball off the rim. Found himself in even. First of all, he was in good offensive rebounding position most of the time. But even when he wasn't, I thought his timing off the jump beat the guy who had the better position a couple times. Which yeah. was very, very Dennis Rodmanish type, uh, type, type, type thinking on the on the offensive glass. So that was a sign of maybe growth from Scotty this year. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's actually funny because I had the exact same takeaway with Scotty. Was the only thing that popped was the rebounding on both sides of the floor. Like he he was just anticipating it better, getting really high, getting physical. And you need that in the starting group if that group's going to work. You need him to be one of the top two or three best rebounders. Because people online were like freaking out about the fadeaway jumper he had and about the post-up move where he just bullied a guy into the rim. But it's like, we're forgetting he did that last season. Like he did those exact same moves last season. And and it's good, but I'm just saying like the rebounding was the only thing that stood out to me. Um, I'll do a guy, though, on top of I think quickly OG has stood out the last two times I've see, seen him like he just looks really bouncy, really comfortable with the ball. Um, the shot looks really, really great. And yeah, it's just nice to see him like fully healthy and and everything. Uh, I got to talk about Achua. <laughs> Go for it. You know me. I mean, this move was incredible. To take the amount of contact he did on this drive, like, okay, in fairness, he sh- you shouldn't close out like that. It- he's not a great three-point shooter. Um, it's a rookie guarding him. But to take the amount of contact he takes on this drive and to still dunk it is just incredible athleticism. And, and yeah, if he is going to shoot the three ball as well as he did the second half of last season, and he is going to draw closeouts, you saw in this game how he just... To me, the big takeaway was that he's a lot more comfortable putting the ball on the floor and, and you know, taking a couple dribbles, whether it was in transition or whether it was attacking closeouts like this. Last season, that was a journey every single time he put the ball on the floor. If he can control his, his handle a little bit just to make use of that athleticism, I think, like, we're in for another Achua. Yeah, and and it's the three point shot really that sets that up because because he gets this yeah. uh, gets this drive because of the guy falls for the head fake, and yeah. uh, I think pressure. And that's a rookie who shouldn't fall fall for that. Who shouldn't fall for the fake? And, and I and I think this 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 talks about the Jazz's inexperience because they were even biting on uh, Thad Young's head fakes. So there's not you know that that's the Jazz for you. And I think if you're a Jazz fan, 
get used to this. Um, but yeah, for, for Precious, I think it really depends on how well his, whether his three-point shooting from the latter half of last season uh, is progresses over into this season. Because I think last year, last, last year he shot a fairly high percentage from three in the second half. But I think it was only on maybe two, three through field goal attempts a, a game. So he only shot two threes and he made one of them or close to yeah. one of them. So it'll be for him, it'll be interesting to see whether his three point percentage translates to a higher uh, attempt count. So if he shoots like four a game, is he is, is that going to translate? And I think if it does, then you'll yeah. see more of the play that you just saw. If it doesn't, you'll see more experienced defenders not really biting for that. And then then he'll have to find his his way again. Yeah, I guess I guess even if the three point shooting doesn't come along, I was really happy with I, with what I saw in transition from Precious as well. Like I just I pointed this out on Twitter, but it was just funny. Wancho Hernan Gomez came down with a rebound and looks around for like a guard to take it up the court, and he sees Precious and he's just like, "Oh yeah, no problem." I guess in Nick Nurse's system, this is one of the guys who's allowed to take it up the court. He gives it to Precious, and Precious draws like a, a foul on the other end. Yeah. Um. Okay, I'll go back to you. Any, anyone else stand out? Maybe a bench guy you want to talk about? I mean, uh, I thought Gary Trent Jr. had heard uh, the fact that nobody was talking about him in preseason, and I thought he came out quite aggressive defensively, uh, very looking for the steal in the backcourt, trying to trying to get the break going. Uh, I think he he senses that uh, you know his spot is maybe up for grabs, and he wants to hang on to it. And I think he knows that the way to do that is to number one, make your shots, and number two, you know, don't don't let somebody be a better defender than you on the team. So he he's taken the second point to heart, and I I, I thought he was quite aggressive in the passing lanes uh, yeah. for a preseason game, and that has the potential to bite us. It, it's not going to do that against the Jazz, but it will against better teams because he's not going to get the steal more often than not and a couple times he went for the steal didn't get it and then it was a bit of a four on five on the on the other half and their jazz weren't able to capitalize but you know gary just focus more on staying in front of your man than trying to pick off passes yeah i guess like he clearly has the freedom to do that so i'm not that mad i i guess just with the starting five because it's feels very much like this is the group that's going to start the year at least it's just going to be weird getting everyone their shots because there was a moment where gary hadn't seen the ball in a while and then he got a contested three and he was just like i'm gonna pull up because i want i want my shots like i haven't had he finishes the game with five shots if we can just pull the box where up og only had two shots um you know over the course of a season that's not enough for those guys i I mean it's obviously they only played the first half but i just mean you could you could tell that when that starting group plays together it's it's almost impossible to satiate every guy's scoring load in terms of what they actually deserve and what they've shown they're capable of on a night-to-night basis because it's just five different guys who can score and you know all of them averaged 15 points last last season so i guess that's kind of a rebuttal See, I see it differently than satiating their, uh, you know, scoring hunger. I think the guy that definitely needs touches and and should be taking more shots is Siakam. Uh, yeah. And next up, 
is Barnes. Those are two guys that, if of the of the starting five, if those two aren't getting their shots, you're wondering what the offense is doing. And Nick Nurse, you know, maybe a couple of eyebrows will be raised at him if those two aren't getting the shots that we all think they deserve. The other, three, I don't Trent, think Barnes is going to get as many shots as people think. Well, he should, is what I'm saying. Okay, I'm saying he should be getting more shots. Um, I, I, listen, I'm not. I'm not projecting Barnes as a guy who's going to be the savior or whatever. I'm just saying, in another development year, pretty much, he's a guy that should be getting more shots up and getting more shots in different positions on the court. So, but but let me get back to yeah. the point that you raised about: do, is there is there a problem with feeding people? I don't think there is because Siakam should get his, Barnes should get more than he got last year, and Trent Junior should primarily be a spot up shooter first. He should he should be spreading the floor waiting for Barnes and Siakam to drive and kick the ball out to him. That should be his primary means of scoring. If we see Gary Trent Jr. go into, like, hero mode, that's not good. Like, if he's taking shots because he only took one shot in the quarter and he feels he's owed two more and he'll go rogue, that's not that's not Raptors basketball. Okay. Yeah, then it's OG, not. And then there's OG, and a similar comment can be applied to OG. Maybe yeah. And Fred is, uh, Fred is interesting. I don't know what the Fred's interesting. You're right because if he does really take the backseat that he took tonight, two shots for him also tonight, then there's more shots for everybody. But I just have seen Fred throughout his career, and when the going gets tough, the ball is more often than not in Fred's hands. And mm-hmm. often when the ball is in Fred's hands, it doesn't even mean you're being selfish. It just means that you are the guy who has to take the shot at the end of the shot clock if if nothing else works. Um, yeah. That's why I kind of think Gary should just be on the bench. Um, it's not it's not because necessarily like Achua Achua's not a better player than him. And so on talent alone I get it, but it's just to spread stuff out a little bit better. And and just I thought guys were a little passive today because there's so many guys who who can shoot. And yeah, like Achua I mean, Trent did take that three after not seeing the ball for a while and i think he's gonna do that i think OG's gonna do that and like where i disagree with you is that i think they have earned the right to take shots like that like trent is pretty good in isolations if you look at the numbers um og obviously can do a lot of different things and so it's hard to sacrifice but at the same time like championship teams guys have to sacrifice the problem i think is that these guys are so young that asking them to sacrifice, they're not at the stage of the career yet where it's like, okay, I've I've been the number one option. I'm ready to just sacrifice for the greater good, you know? I, I don't see the sacrifice. I mean, other than OG, maybe, who's sort of in the, in the you know... You don't think and... Trent wants the ball in his hands? Okay, Not fine. just spotting up. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, it doesn't matter what Trent wants. Trent is a piece on this on this team, so he has to learn to adjust. I mean, he got his contract. Uh, you know, he, he has a security of that, so he should just kind of follow team ball. I would see more yeah. if, like, if OG maybe is, is more ball-thirsty than Trent. That would make more sense to me because he's kind of fighting for his next maybe big deal, and Trent just well, Trent- got him. Yeah. Trent's actually coming up this offseason. Is he coming up this season. Is it already been three years? Well, it's a two plus one, and it's a player option this summer, which he probably will decline for bigger money. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. And OG's the summer after that. So, okay. yeah. Okay, um, fine. 
Okay. Okay. I stand corrected on that one. So, but my, my opinion doesn't really change. Trent, Trent has to find a, be a role player on this team. And if he's taking one-on-one shots out of the blue, that's not good for us. But what do you think of this idea that you, that you brought up? That the Raptors play this Fred off the ball for the most part, for, for most of the game, because that's their sort of maybe new approach to point guard play. Alvin Williams made the point on the broadcast today. And that, that's what our kind of default setup is. But then when the going goes tough, when it's crunch time or whatever, we're like, okay, forget about all that six nine point guard stuff. Let's give the ball to Fred. That's our offense now. Do you think that's what do you think of that approach? I, yeah, I don't think it'll be like give the ball to Fred. That's our offense, but I do think it'll be like let's slow the game down, put it in Fred's hands to to run the mm-hmm. sets that they want to run and get it to more often than not Siakam where he needs the ball. So in that sense, I'm okay with it. Like offense always changes in the last five minutes of games across the NBA. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with like having it in trustworthy hands and he's probably going to make the right decision more often than not. Um, Yeah, there is a downside to that, which is that at the end of the shot clock, if a guy has to host it up, you'd probably rather Barnes or Siakam have the ball or even OG. But in this situation, it is Fred um but at the end of the game i am okay with that because you're taking care of the ball you can't afford turnovers at that point in the game so yeah i guess i'm okay with it yeah and also you you made a point about we're talking about the starting five here and and you know it's so matchup dependent if we were playing philly i highly doubt maybe you'd see this starting five maybe you'd see precious you know start in that game so we should always look at the starting five with a grain of salt uh honestly it's so matchup dependent and given how fluid the Raptors are I would imagine their starting lineup should also be a little bit more fluid than just this is our starting five yeah I I think the what Nick is trying to do is give these guys so many reps together that over the course of time they just look really good together even though they have these major flaws in terms of the starting five and so yeah I think we'll see if that becomes true um because i think there's some real weight in not being like he's always been a little bit too mad scientist for me when it comes to his matchups and his his bench stuff because guys don't get familiar playing with with lineups that they're gonna play with and and then you lose chemistry and you lose knowing where guys are so i think at least with the starting five that is one benefit um before we get out of here i want to talk about delano uh, how do I get rid of this? Okay, here. Yeah, I, w- I want to talk about Delano because I mean, actually, like, I should be fair to Malachi. You were pretty mean to him early on. I thought I thought he was good too, mean and to I him. thought Delano was good. Well, you said the offense stunk up when he came into the game. Um, I thought they both looked really good. Like, were it is game one of preseason, and I don't want to overreact to the Raptors having solved their point backup point guard issues they no. definitely haven't um no. but hey if we're overacting to preseason games my overreaction would be that both of them looked ahead of where they were last year delano i mean malachi looks clearly stronger in his upper body and delano was really good in transition and that tells me that he's a little more comfortable handling the ball so yeah i don't know do you have anything to say on those two i mean i think if i think the raptors have solved their backup point guard problems as long as they played the jazz 82 times a year i think that's <laughs> the end of that analysis um 
Yeah. No, they haven't solved it. And I was thinking about how to solve it. And yeah. you know, wh whenever you have Malachi on the on the floor, and you have Kem Birch also on the floor coming off the bench, you sort of have to make do with the assets that you have on the court. And obviously, you can't play the same style that you played with the starting five with the bench, just because the personnel are different. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to last year and go. Will we have some sort of a pick and roll game where Malachi Flynn, Cambridge, or insert your other big man, Coloco maybe, uh, can can get comfortable with a pick and roll? The reason I'm I'm bringing the pick and roll up is because it's a play that is gets everybody comfortable really quickly, especially new guys like Coloco. Like he's used to that play from you know since since he started playing basketball, everybody knows it, and. It's almost like the anchor on which the rest of the offense can be built, especially like if you're new to the team, you're new to the offense. There's this like one constant, the pick and roll, the pick and pop, which you can just go to to get comfortable, to get set up. The Raptors don't have that. And I feel we have to develop that somehow with Malachi Flynn or or Banton uh, as a from, from the bench. And I, I didn't see much of that today, but I hope that that develops because I think it's not like we're going to run pick and roll every time, but it serves as a bedrock on which you can build other things. Yeah, I think, well, to the point, like, Coloco came in the game with Malachi. Good, and good. so that's a matchup right there that you like to see in the pick and roll. The problem, I think, is, though, that, like, to make the pick and roll work, you need pretty specific lineups. And the Raptors just don't have spacing to make it work in big bulk. Like when when they when they have those bench lineups, sure you have Flynn and Coloco, and those two seem to match up. But you also have like, you know, Delano Banton, not a shooter. You have whoever Thad Young, not a shooter. Like Chris Boucher, a so-so shooter. So um, I think that is is the problem more than anything, and I think that's the reason that they don't want to run it too much, and they prefer to go to mat go to bully ball matchup ball uh, stuff like that. But yeah, like I get it. That's gonna help Malachi, but we're also not gonna adjust the whole team's offense to make sure Malachi is comfortable. He's no, just I, not I, that I think, big. I think of... you know. You see Hernan Gomez today, and I think maybe maybe this is different. If Otto Porter Jr. was playing, he was out due to some quote unquote injury. Uh, so I think that's I mean, gonna be a long thing. By the way, I don't think he'll be ready for this season. Say again. Hamstring injury for Otto Porter. Guy with a lot of history of injuries, uh, team that really babies their injury and, and like to be safe. I don't think he's going to be ready for this season. Okay, let's just for a second uh, assume he is okay. <laughs> and assume that he's playing with uh, Malachi Flynn and assume that Hernan Gomez is not clanking every wide open three that he sees. Yeah. I think in that configuration, a guy like Flynn can be effective because he has somebody he has shooters on the court when he played today he didn't really have shooters on the court so it's yeah. very difficult to pass judgment on flynn when he's playing with lineups that have no outside shooting that's yeah. all i'm saying and, and, I, think and I thought he was he made pretty good out of what he had tonight he had a couple mid-range shots he had a three coming off a screen shot a three and made it like I thought defensively Malachi impressed me. Like I thought that strength actually showed in his screen navigation. Like he was going over every screen, but doing a really good job sticking to the hip of the ball handlers. And these are tough guards like Jordan Clarkson or Sexton, you know, 
Mike Conley. These are NBA players. I thought he did a good job on defense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's let's give. I mean, what's let's check the quick reaction and see what what grade uh, Flynn got today. Uh, looking at it now, did the I, I, I think Christian forgot about him. No, there he is. Yeah, B. He, got, he, he gets B. I'll read you the grade. Even the most hardcore of Flynn detractors are holding out hope that he can carry over some of that summertime magic into the regular season. His dribble and shot look good today, but I hope Nurse can put him in pick and roll scenarios more often over the next few games. He doesn't fit Vision Six Nine, so we'll have to prove he can be ex- excellent at controlling the offense. And I think that's the key word: controlling the offense. How do, how well does he quarterback the offense? And that is an open question that he has to solve. I don't think we all know. So far, last year, the results were not amazing. And this year, he'll get another chance at it. Yeah. Pretty fair yeah, so. and quick reaction. Very sober analysis. If you haven't checked it out, uh, check out the quick reaction on the site. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we're taking questions. If anyone has any, drop them in the chat. Oh, I'll say... Already. Damn. I'll okay. say Josh Jackson did look really good. Uh, a lot of people pointed this out. His defense popped. Um, I just think we are forgetting about Justin Champetti, who is a player that they have invested in. It is a guy who had a really good G League season. And yes, he's injured, but like it's he's been participating, I know, in training camp. So it's not like they're not seeing him. He's just, I guess, too injured to play real uh against a real team. But he even played in the five on five scrimmage uh in Victoria yesterday. Like Justin Champagny is trying out for this team, and I just don't want to forget about him because he's not in front of our eyes, because that's what it's going to come down to. If you're saying Josh Jackson should make the team, you're saying Champagny shouldn't, essentially. And I'm definitely not ready to go there yet based on like a game of Josh Jackson. I think Champagny's a really good player, fills a niche as a rebounder, really quickly developing a shot, and younger. Um, I still like him. Yeah, nobody jumping into conclusion about Josh Jackson. I mean, I just thought he came well, in. Well, look at Twitter, him. man. They are. <laughs> who is? People. This no, nobody is. is. Who is Who is getting excited with Josh Jackson? Wh- give me one person. Oh, my God. Do I really have to go through? Okay, you said Twitter. Okay, my bad. That doesn't count, man. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Uh, Josh well, Jackson- Samson just dropped his reaction pod and said Josh Jackson making his case, which is fair. I'm not trying to say he's not making his case. Okay. I'm just saying there's been a lot of talk on the timeline about Josh Jackson. I mean, all the, all, you know, I'm, I'm a big Josh Jackson supporter for many other reasons. Uh, so I hope he makes the team. Uh, I hope he hits a few threes. I hope he rejuvenates his career. Uh, and I'm just saying that in this one game, he looked good. That's all. That's all there is. I, I really hope that at some point we see, you know, the preseason turn where these guys get like 30 minutes of run. Like I'd like to see those games where um, kind of maybe the la- last two games of the preseason where Nurse kind of yeah, shuts exactly. everybody down and all yeah. these like Flynn gets 35 minutes, Josh Jackson gets 25. Those are the preseason games that I look forward to. And I think that's yeah. your question to start the show was like, when did you stop paying attention to preseason? I think the answer is, I started looking at different things in preseason as I yeah, got older. Too. Not the main yeah. guys, but the, the but the younger guys. And I and I and I almost wish there was a starting like a limit on the starters more than anything. 
Yeah, my my only uh, time where preseason has paid off is watching the other team. I remember watching the Rockets play the Raptors last preseason, and it was disgusting the way that they just didn't care. Like th- that was their first year of like full tank. the The offense was just complete ISO. No one knew what they were doing on defense. I went home and I was like, "Let me bet the under." Paid off. Let me tell you. Um, how many minutes can you see Precious averaging? Could he be? A- MVP candidate. Speaking of gambling, I put some money on MIP for Precious as well. Um, it's not likely, but the odds were really good. And how many minutes? I think it is a good question. Let me pull up what he averaged last season, real quick. Twenty-three, um, twenty-three point six. Twenty-four. He he should get. He should get three he or could four. Definitely get. Yeah, twenty-eight exactly. Like, and and yeah, I do think he could be an MIP candidate because. I mean, this stuff is very narrative based and guys, <laughs> here's how Precious is viewed around the league. Sorry, man. It made me laugh. <laughs> okay. Precious is viewed as a good defender who's still young and makes mistakes, but a good defender. I'm talking about like general NBA fans and a terrible offensive player. And so if he hits his threes, if he attacks closeouts like he did today, if he attacks in transition efficiently and if he plays 28 minutes a game, he's going to show the world that he's not an average or a good defensive player. He's a great one. Uh, that's, I think, the case for him to win MIP. Yeah, I think we talked about it already. He has to hit his threes, which will open up his drive game. It's simple as that. The big question is, can he hit his threes? So we'll, we'll find we'll find out. If he, if he, if he does, then I should, he should be hitting 28 minutes a game quite easily. Yeah. And I most- think there's other routes for him to play a lot of minutes. Like if, if he just becomes better at catching lobs or catching uh, in the pick and roll and finishing at the rim, that's also a path where he can get better. But he wasn't good at that last year either. So there's a couple routes. Yeah, sure. Let's take some more questions. <laughs> Someone's attacking me for liking Suggs over Barnes. I don't know what ha- this has to do with Precious. I've been I've been on Precious pretty high for a very long time, but yeah. Were you, I like were you a Suggs. Suggs guy though? Were you a Suggs I like guy? Suggs. Stew me. I still think Suggs is going to be good. Um, is he going to be better than Barnes? No, no. Okay. And I'll take that L. Okay. Okay. All right, relax, um, relax, man. Oh, Jesus. Well, it's a sense touchy of, subject. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, any other questions you saw? It's like a lot of comments, but oh, here we go. Here we go. Do the Raptors project to be a better shooting and or rebounding team this year? What would need to happen for them to improve in these two areas? Okay. Shooting, they should be better if Otto Porter yeah. Jr. stays healthy, just because he's going to be taking the shots if he's healthy that guys like Utah or Svi were taking, and none of the and none of those guys could shoot. So if that substitution happens and Otto stays healthy, I think I've said that like eight times now, um, we should see a improvement in uh, in shooting. I'll let and you on top of minute. that, yeah. no, okay, on top of that, there's internal development I think you can expect. Like, I think Flynn will have a better shooting year. Banton, I think um, Boucher really struggled to shoot the ball in the first half of last season. Like, I, I think, uh, sorry, um, Barnes, I think, should have a better shooting year. I, I do think you can expect guys' three-point percentage to tick up from last season, first and second and third-year players. 
the rebounding no i don't think they solved that i don't know what would make people think they solved that they haven't made any real additions in that regard like maybe minor around the edges just just from chemistry and learning where guys are and learning the schemes a little bit better and where the rebounds are going to leak out to but in general they still have the same issues it's only a defensive rebounding problem, but yeah. Yeah, and and that and that I think last year they were dead last or second to dead last in defensive rebounding percentage. No, they finished like twenty fifth or something, but for 25th, a lot of okay, the season they low. were bad. But they were at the bottom for the for the for the majority of the year. Uh, yeah, I don't see that improving too much. Um, maybe Coloco can can do something there if he gets some minutes, but I, I think that's asking a lot of a, of a rookie. I don't, so no, I, don't, I don't think it's going to playing happen. very much. Oh, Barnes. But again, how much can you yeah, rely he, on the wing to, you know, yeah. to, to make up for your offense? That's why I said like minor adjustments, but he's not going to turn around their defensive no. rebounding problem. No, no. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes you can, you can affect defensive rebounding, not just by getting more big men, but having your guards do better box out, like getting their own man, um, like boxing their own man out at the perimeter, yeah. so that could be one way they could they could improve. They, they did get more experience at the wings with Otto Porter Jr. again, bringing that guy up too many times, I think. So that could have a factor. But to answer the question, I don't really see that improving substantially. Yeah. Um, Here's a question. Yeah, sorry, I was just gonna pull it up. What does Coloco have to do to get 13 minutes a game? I'll let you handle this one, Oren. I don't see it like over the course of a season. I think he's going to start in the 905. I think the answer would be just do his role really well. Catch lobs, be good in the pick and roll, def- defensive rebound, and defend the rim at a high level. But even if he does all those things, he's still going to be super matchup dependent in terms of which guys are Nick Nurse playing him against, right? Like Because he is still going to be a flawed rookie in a lot of ways and easily targeted. So there's only going to be specific matchups where you want to drop big in there. You want to pick and roll big. So I just think 13 minutes, considering the depth on this team, like that's too much. I don't see it happening. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, You know, other than maybe injuries or something. uh, (laughs) Let's talk about who he might steal minutes away from. Like who are the candidate guys you could steal minutes from? Kem, obviously, but... But Kem already is not being penciled in for 13 minutes a game, right? Like, Kem's being penciled in for maybe the same thing. He's just above him on that hierarchy of matchup-dependent centers. Maybe he's going to play 10 minutes a game max. I don't even see that. Um, You know, maybe I was going to... I'm just stretching here, right? Maybe... Boucher? Yeah, exactly. That's where I was going. Who who had a decent game? Again, a a very Boucher-like game, hitting the offensive glass. I think he hit a three hit the backboard on one without hitting rim. So typical Chris Boucher, you know, par for the course for that guy. Um, You know, Chris Boucher is not an amazing pick and roll player. Like he's, he improved last year, but he's not fantastic at that. And Coloco is supposedly very good at that. At least he was in college. So if you had to, you know, put a gun to my head and said, he's playing 13 minutes a game, how's it going to happen? I'd say, Maybe he does better than Chris Boucher. But then again, Chris Boucher has a better three-point shot. And I think the Raptors value that more as well. So Coloco has his work cut out for him. 905 probably looks like a decent destination. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can wrap up on this one, unless you have any 
Any others? Well, I have get one to? more, but just okay. Do you miss Leo? Rowdy? Okay, no. Let's do yours then. Let's do yours. Well, no, 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 let's do, we, we put it up, or we just teased it. Come on. I, I, no, I but answer. this is like one to go home on. I think it's a little less. Not, just put it up. Wait, just put it up. All right. Let me find it now. <laughs> okay. While you find it, I'll put mine up. Oh, there, do oh, there you miss it. Leo Routens or do you prefer Alvin Williams? Where are you at right now? I don't miss Leo Routens. No, I wish him success and everything and whatever he does. But do I, do I miss a guy who was in my ears for like 20 years? No, I don't. I, I don't miss him. Um, so Alvin Williams, you know, I prefer Amy Audibert. Frankly speaking, I think it, her analysis. Did is you hear on. that she left Sportsnet? Where did, where did she go now? She hasn't announced it, but excited for her. She's joining Raptors Republic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wherever she goes, I'm just saying that I, I preferred a- Amy Otterberg. I, I thought she's she a very keen basketball mind and really made you see things that you did not notice on the court. I think Alvin yep. Williams' strength is that he was there as a player, so he has a different perspective that Amy Otterberg will. But I find Alvin Alvin's stories are like very dated because I remember seeing Alvin play. Like I know the era he's talking about. Like I've seen every single Alvin Williams game, and I know what kind of player he was. And when he makes a comment on on a certain game, like oh, you know, like that series in Detroit, you know what I mean? Like I, I know what he did in that series and what his role was. So I automatically like you know, maybe kind of take away some of the commentary or like discounted mm, by some degree yeah. because I've seen him play. Uh, so, yeah, to answer the question, no, I don't miss Leo Routens. I do prefer Alvin Williams over Leo Routens. Me too. Me too. I think Alvin is getting better at like just just being on TV and not like stumbling over his yeah. words as much as he was last season. And so I'm curious to see if the basketball analysis now – gets better as he gets more comfortable just talking about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm willing to give him another season, you know? Okay. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Uh, do you agree oh. with this, the ceiling? Uh, I don't know. There's a grammatical error here, man. Grammatical errors throw me off big time. You read it, you read it, Oren. Do you agree the ceiling of this team is reliant on how well Scotty can draw in help and how Precious can attack closeouts and sustain good shooting? I just think that's too reductive. Like the ceiling of this team is dependent on so many other things. Um, these are just two very specific skill sets on two of the most important young players. I think like Precious being able to defend fives might be more important skill than any of this. You know what I mean? Like, just because that it doesn't exist on the roster and stuff like that. So yeah. it's just too reductive of a question to really answer, like do these two things and they're going to win a championship. Well, maybe he's, maybe he's, he's referring to uh, the ceiling of the team this year. Um, mm. Long-term. Yes. Maybe how well Scotty draws doubles will have a big impact on things. Cause if he's not drawing doubles, then obviously that's, that's, that's a bit of an issue. Uh, I think long-term it probably does depend on how well Scotty does. Uh, precious attacking closeouts. I don't, as I said earlier, I don't think attacking closeouts is uh, the, the the thing that you should look at. I think you should look at how well he shoots. If he shoots well, he will naturally attack closeouts. So look at the shooting volume more than anything. And this year, I don't think the Raptors' ceiling depends on how well Scotty, how well Scotty plays offensively. I think that's part of it, but it's not a 
It's not a huge part of it. It is much more how Siakam will grow as a playmaker and as a three-point shooter uh, and as a clutch clutch scorer and as a mid-range shooter. I think that is a far bigger factor than uh, than Scotty. Yeah, you could honestly argue that both of these players, uh, their defensive jumps this season could be more important than their offensive jumps, <laughs> uh, which we don't think about it that way. But ultimately, the Raptors need to be an elite defensive team to have any chance. And those two had games last season like every few games where they just could not defend at a high enough level and they were like really young so that's fair but i'm just saying like sometimes the things that you don't expect you know we want to focus on the three-point shooting and all that but maybe like these two guys just got to get more steady defensively and that could be enough anyways i think 50 minutes he's got one more he's got one more let's just do it i haven't eaten dinner okay okay do you think Siakam can end up in the Paul George, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler tier by the end of next season? Next season? I guess, yeah, that's possible. Like, I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, I wouldn't um, bet on him being as good as Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is a freaking Exactly. Monster, Butler's man. in a different league. I mean, Jason Tatum has... I don't, I don't know how this will go over, but I, I, thought, I think Tatum oh, is God. a much better ball handler and has a better eye for the drive and I think playmaking as well. So that's going to be tough. Paul George. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it's possible two seasons from now, he has grown every season, but I also think like a guy like Siakam and Fred, like ultimately they are who they are at this point. They're going to grow in small areas of their game, but I wouldn't expect these massive jumps in any area at this point, just because you've seen a lot of Rico Hines footage. Anyways, that will do it for us. Yeah, let's let's it's 48 minutes. I gotta do a lot of programming. The quick reaction tool is broken. I gotta go. I think it's oh, an all-nighter for me tonight. Yeah. Oh, Zarar's busy. Like and subscribe to the video. We're gonna be doing these after each and every Raptors game. If you're new to the show and this is your first time listening, yeah, subscribe to the RR YouTube channel. Uh where again we do this live after every show. And it's usually not just me and Zarar. Usually there's three other fun loving guys who pop their heads in and talk about the Raptors. Uh, Sahal so couldn't make it. Sahal couldn't make it. He's still licking his wounds from a weekend drubbing at the hands of the Gunners. Should say 3-1 oh God. over Tottenham, North London Derby. Okay. Let's get out of here. All right. Thank you all. Thanks to our producer, KN. And we'll see you. We'll see you next time.